All right, I like that nice little touch there. Yeah. <laughs> We're live for another uh, Folks Talking Sports. Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review with Andy Yanez from Pod Slamajama. We'll be joined hopefully at some point soon by Willie Gibson in uh, he just moved into a new place. So hopefully he'll be joining us. And then at 7.20 this evening, James Mueller from the Daily Cougar, the sports editor, will, will pop on with us. We're going to talk some U of H football. But Andy, let's get right into it, man. Milwaukee Bucks, they surprise you. They take a 3-2 yeah. lead in the series now. They've won three in a row. What are your thoughts on game five, man? They've proven wrong. I remember the last time we recorded, I was I was pretty down on the Bucks. I was almost, I think I was leading towards Phoenix closing out that series. Yeah, we were talking about uh, the Bucks getting swept. I remember us discussing yeah. uh, what would we do if, if should Budenholzer be be fine? Yeah, if the Bucks losing yeah. four, so things turned around for sure, and it happened so quickly. I think you know when you base it off Game Five specifically. I mean, you got to go to Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton who have turned it around in games three through five. I, I've been tweeting this out after after game four where i believe i mentioned you know for for the bucks to be able to turn it around it would have to be drew middle drew holiday and chris middleton would have to average probably around 40 to 50 combined along with Giannis's production and, and they have done that they scored 39 in game three they scored 53 uh in game four and and last night was their best performance together they scored 56 points and, and that was by far Drew Holiday's best performance of the entire NBA Finals. And, and Chris, I mean, when you mentioned Phoenix, I think something that's kind of been underrated might not be talked about that much, but the loss of Dario Sarge, they're kind of, they're running eight man rotations there and they don't have a, a true backup big for DeAndre Ayton when, when he gets off the floor to rest. I'm glad you brought that up. Man from his new place, new environment, wherever he is, Will Whoa. Gibson. Out, outdoors, so yeah, on location. How you doing, sir? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you're outdoors, so you missed our our intro, man. A little 30 second intro countdown we did at the top of the show here, but we're adding going forward to some new things. What are your thoughts on Game Five? Um, you can appreciate this, Chris. Uh, I know it's Drew, J R U E, but I'll call him uh, J Ru, the damager. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. After <laughs> after last night, um, he he showed up. This is the Drew Holiday that everyone expected when the trade went down. The, 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 and I hate to bring it up, but it's what he was traded for: the three first round picks, the two draft swaps. He was traded and the hundred thirty six million dollar extension. This is the performance you expected, and he he did his thing. I mean, Giannis pretty much didn't do a lot until the fourth quarter. He played his game, but the fourth quarter is when he turned on. It was pretty much the Drew Holiday show in the first half. And then late third, early fourth, it was the uh, Chris Middleton show. And Giannis, you know, if you can fill in the gaps as a two-time MVP, Giannis filled in the gaps. But um, I think the youth, of Phoenix got, the youth of Phoenix got exposed a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I – I knew I was going to bring this up. I didn't think I was going to bring it up this early, but can we please stop with the narrative of Devin Booker and Kobe Bryant, please? Oh, my gosh. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> I mean, 
Devin's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's coming. But I think the narrative is 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 far-reaching. They're reaching a lot to try to connect that narrative. And I think we need to stop it once and for all. Um, he, he got exposed. His youth got exposed at the end of the game. He dribbled, he dribbled, stopped, and there was four players. There were four players around him. Took, and I, I, I forget who I saw mention this, but Drew Holiday made the absolute perfect read. They knew he wasn't going to pass to CP3. They knew it. CP3 is behind the three-point line, wide open. He dribbled directly into the teeth of the defense, stopped, turned around. Drew Holiday took the ball from him. Didn't steal it. He took it. Literally, yep. took the ball took from it. him. Yep. <laughs> I mean, so. Um, that being said, you're not I convinced, are you? Williams. I'm <laughs> you're not, not convinced. You know that. You know, we talked about this. I'm not. I'm not convinced. I am not. Is Mike Budenholzer still the coach of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks? Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. You know, they can give me the Bucks in six, Brandon Jimmy stories all they want, Suns in seven. Okay. I mean, you know, I've, I've been critical of Bud throughout these playoffs, but each time I picked the Bucks to get to the conference finals, I picked them to get to the NBA finals, you know, maybe because I thought the players could exceed, do better than Bud, you know, play beyond Bud's coaching. But, you know, to his credit, he stopped playing Brent Forbes so much. You know, he, he stuck with Bobby Portis, threw Bobby's mistakes on defense. You know, we, he did that last night. Bobby had some lapses on defense. He stuck with Pat Connaughton more than PJ. Something PJ Tucker the last two games is fouling too much. He's taking himself out of the games because of young player fouls. Not veteran veterans don't, shouldn't do this. These, these really reaching fouls and fouling jump shooters and all those things. But game five, we saw the Bucks. First quarter, seven turnovers. Looked like they had didn't belong on the floor. Second and third quarter. White hot from the floor. Let's lighten up the sun all over the place. Big lead in the fourth quarter. Last three or four minutes, they froze and did, I mean, did almost everything wrong to allow the Suns to get back in that game. Milwaukee was punishing Chris Paul. They were looking for whoever Chris Paul was defending. They went at that person and they stopped doing it. And then Chris Paul got hot on offense. You saw Chris Middleton tired. I mean, he played 40 plus minutes. Drew Holiday kind of went into a shell. Suns crept back in it, crept in it, and then that play, Drew Holiday being Drew Holiday, five seconds left on the shot clock, inbounds pass. I swear Drew didn't know how much time left on the shot clock. He's like, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> shoot it, shoot it. Oh, throws up a shot, misses. And then he comes down, makes that great play, taking the ball from Book. And then <laughs> they got the lead. Drew, let him foul you. No, 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 no. I'm going to throw a lob to Giannis. <laughs> and Giannis with the dunk. I mean, that's Drew Holiday summary. That's the Bucks summary. They won game five. But I'm like, you will. I'm not convinced they're going to win game six at home. Man. So I'm not convinced. What do you think, Andy? What do you, will the Bucks close out at six on Tuesday? <laughs> we, when it comes to the Bucks, it's been so confusing. It's it's hard to trust Milwaukee, but I think when you look at the Phoenix Suns roster, I think that 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 injury to Dario Sarge is a lot more significant for Phoenix than than 
anyone else has made it up to be just in terms of when it comes to DeAndre Ayton resting, they don't have a big man there. I mean, they have Frank Kaminsky didn't play game five and he played a little bit once Dario Sarge initially got injured. And I believe they have another big, uh, is it Jalen Smith or, you know, someone like that. But I mean, he hasn't gotten any, he hasn't gotten on the floor and that's big because when DeAndre Ayton is off the court, the Suns can't really stop Giannis. They've tried to double-team him, and that's led to open shots. Give credit to Pat Connaughton for knocking down those three-pointers when he has them. Uh, Drew Hall today probably had his best game of the series. Um, I wouldn't bet on him repeating the performance he had last night. But they don't need Drew Hall today to play like that. If, if Chris Middleton and Drew can, like I, I mentioned, hover around what they've done, obviously I wouldn't expect Drew Holiday to have that big performance just to keep defending Chris Paul. And, you know, don't make those mistakes. Don't make those turnovers. And like you mentioned, that lob, it could have it could have quickly gone the other way had Giannis not thrown it down and, and given Phoenix one more chance. But I feel like they have too much going in, in Milwaukee's favor for them to not close it out. Um, but I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's a Thursday game seven. But I'd probably go with Milwaukee uh, closing it out in six on Tuesday. You know, Giannis missed seven free throws last night. Mm-hmm. The Bucks still won. <clears throat> yeah, Phoenix shot sixty-eight percent from three. The Bucks still won. Chris Paul, for his defensive struggles, and a lot of folks are questioning, well, what's wrong with CP? He had a great game. He showed up. He had a great game. He got it rolling in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and they still and the Suns still lost. Phoenix won the three-point, you know, battle. Booker scored forty again, and the yeah. Suns still lost. <laughs> so yeah. okay. Before James Mueller from the Cougar joins us in, in about 10 minutes, what can Monty Williams and the Suns do to win game six in Milwaukee? Will? Oh, let's see. They, they have to – it's going to sound crazy. Devin Booker can't score 40 again. If he scores 40 again, that means he's picking up the slack from somebody else. And I think they need more balance. I mean, Mikhail uh, Bridges, he was five for six. He had his first five shots. He hit, finished with 13, but I mean, he plays his role. He played stellar defense, but a little more from him, perhaps. Cameron Johnson, off the bench. The, I think the Suns had thir- 15 bench points. Yep, 15, yep. Cameron Johnson has to give him a little bit more. I don't know he, he's done. He's played a tremendous role in this in this playoff, not just the finals, but in the playoffs. He's a rookie or a second-year player. Second-year player, apologize for that. But if he can get a little bit more going off that bench, like you said, eight-man rotation, the, the bench is shortened, you know, without Sarge. And, you know, they're not going to go past eight. So if he can give them a little bit more and uh, CP3 can come back with 19 and 11 or, you know, 26 for that matter. It's going to take that type of performance. And at the same time, figure out a way to make Drew Holiday shoot four for 20 again. Because in game four in Milwaukee, shot four for 20. If they can get that type of performance, that type of defensive performance on him, they go back Thursday night, win and take all game seven. Okay, I'm going to say this. Andy, you tell me if you agree. <clears throat> I don't believe the Suns can stop the Bucs from scoring. I think Drew Holiday can miss a lot of layups like he did earlier in the series, but I don't believe the Suns can stop. If they need – Phoenix needs to get a stop, two stops in a row. 
They can do it. What do you think? I agree. I don't think they have the personnel, especially when you look at how they, they've struggled to guard Giannis and they, what they have done now, what they did in game five was start doubling whenever he would catch it in the, in the low post area. And that's leaving an extra player open. Like you mentioned, Chris, I feel like Milwaukee can get an open shot probably every time down. If they, once they really attack, if they don't settle for any shots, I think for Phoenix to win this game, it's honestly it's gonna have to be on Milwaukee. Milwaukee has to have one of those cold shooting nights where they can't hit anything. I mean, if Chris Middleton is going and Drew Holiday plays not exactly as he did last game, but gives you about I'd say eighty percent of what he did in Game Five, I don't think Phoenix has enough to to beat Milwaukee. You know, I mean, Chris Paul had twenty one, eleven. He was nine for fifteen and just That's one neat. turnover, just one. Yeah, that's a that's and a the good Bucks game still, for Chris Paul. You know, so, Will, at you, man. Can Phoenix, when when necessary, stop Milwaukee? When necessary, yes. Oh, yes. When okay. When necessary. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me who, tell me why, tell me how. Well, I, I kind of played on your the, the caveat when necessary. Now for forty eight okay. minutes. Probably not. Oh no, no, down but the stretch. Down the stretch. Um it, if Jay Crowder and, and, and DeAndre Ayton, I mean Jay Crowder started out hot last night. First quarter, he 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 set the tone. And then we never saw him again. If yeah. he can develop it, it and this has been consistently inconsistent for him this series. I mean, game one, he had one point. He missed all eight of his field goals, if I remember properly. And then, you know, he showed up a little, and then we didn't see him anymore. And last night, he showed up in the first quarter, and then we didn't see him anymore. So if we get some consistent pressure from Jay Crowder, if they can find some way to sneak DeAndre Aiden some some rest throughout the course of the game. So he's not playing 41, 42, 43 minutes. I think he played 45, 43, last 44 night. minutes. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So if they can find some way to do that, then I think so. I think so. Because Jay Crowder took seven shots. Most of those are in the first quarter. He scored 10 points for during the third quarter. When the Bucks were third quarter and early fourth quarter, and the Bucks were just seemingly attacking Chris Paul all the time, people are questioning what's wrong with CP. Jay Crowder's plus minus was worse than Chris Paul's. Okay, for the game, Jay Crowder's was minus seven, Chris Paul's minus six. So, you know, and Chris Paul was 21 11 and one turnover. You know, Jay, Jay Crowder was 10, five, three assists, two steals. He didn't take enough shots. He had one offense rebound. Now, granted, both teams shot 50-plus percent from offense last night. So there weren't a whole lot of misses to grab. But that missed free throw, the Suns didn't get it. That's, that's how you seal defense, getting a rebound, that defense rebound. Because if you, you can play good defense, for 23, 24 seconds, shot goes up, hits the rim, and you don't get the rebound, 
other team gets in and scores, your good defense wasn't great, wasn't good enough because you didn't close the possession and get the ball. So I'm going to say it right now, Will, Andy, I might be wrong. I'm leery of it because I, I, I have given me reason to doubt it for a long time. Ooh. Bucks going to win it in six. Bucks going to wow. win it in six. going to represent Central Division in the NBA, sure. bring home a championship for a Central Division. Bucks going to win in Milwaukee, close it out game six Tuesday night. Maria Taylor is going to go to NBC on, on Wednesday. Okay, so who's hosting NBA countdown on Thursday for game seven? <laughs> oh, well, apparently they said they worked out a, an extension agreement, a friendly agreement for Maria to work through the finals. Oh. But I'm saying she'll be done Tuesday. Her job will be done. Fair enough. Of course, I'm not going to spend any money making a bet on that. <laughs> but I am going to say I am picking the Bucks to win it in six to close it out. If that happens, what does that say to Chris Paul's legacy? He finally hmm. got to the finals. I mean, he got to the finals. He, he lost... He, he lost as a 36-year-old in the finals for the first time. I don't think it. I don't think it damages it. I mean, he got there. I don't. I don't think that's a negative that he lost in the finals. Okay, so. I don't know the the numbers, but teams that go up 2-0 in the finals go on to win 80 plus percent of the time. So yeah. he, and the Suns, would be one of those. You know, if it's 20 percent, whatever the percentage is to lose go after going up 2-0. That doesn't taint his legacy at all? A little bit in your eyes? You know, the haters going to find anything to, of course. to pick at Chris <laughs> Paul. So, But what do y'all say? Andy, what do you say? I would say in the grand scheme of things, it shouldn't. I mean, once Chris Paul got traded out of the Houston Rockets, it seemed like, you know, Chris Paul's career was coming to an end. Honestly, when they shipped him out to Oklahoma City, no one expected him to lead that team to the playoffs in the way the resurgence that he had <laughs> fueled by spite or whatever he might have been fueled by once he got sent out of Houston. I think the accomplishment just to get to the finals, especially with Phoenix there, where honestly they kind of came out of left field before the season started. No one would have picked them to be the team representing the Western Conference at the beginning of the season. So he's had his struggles this series. I don't I don't see how you could use that against him, especially um, in terms of what he has been able to accomplish and where people probably thought this Phoenix team would be when the season started. All right, we're getting close to hopefully Mr. Mueller is, is punctual. James Mueller from the Daily Cougar joins us to talk some U of H's football. Will, real quick, did you have a chance to look at the article I sent about Michigan Wolverines football and the jersey deal? I did, I did see that. I did see that. Okay. How long will it be before the Ohio State Buckeyes do something similar? Uh, it'll be a while because Ohio State is on a different track. I mean, they that Michigan piece, their state has some laws on the books that could throw a nice little monkey wrench in that. I read that article and I'm like, uh, the compliance and the rules they've set forth, I, I don't know how successful that'll be, but from Ohio State, they met with their uh, top 20 sponsors. Mm -hmm. uh, the athletic director, uh, Gene Smith, met with them last, this is July, 
I'll say February, January, in anticipation of the NIL coming down the line. And they've already set up sponsorships and situations that student athletes can can benefit that way. Jersey sales. Hold that thought, Will. We're gonna come back. Okay. We, okay. I'm gonna pick your brain on, on that some more. But he is yep. on time. Good for him. Representing the youth of America. James, is it Mueller? Yes, sir. Outstanding. Andy wasn't super sure how to pronounce it, and I wasn't either. But so James Mueller, the sports editor from the Daily Cougar University of Houston campus paper, joining us. We're gonna talk some U of H football. Yes, folks, that's right. We're gonna talk some U of H football. Mm -hmm. James. Have you had a chance to look at the roster, uh, see anything so far in workouts, or what do you know so far about uh, U.S. football for this coming season? Yeah, so for this year, I mean, it's Dana Holgerson's third year. It's a must-win year. Um, like many college programs, you know, third year you got to do something, and they haven't been very good in his first two years. And they have the schedule to put up eight or nine wins at least. Um, if you look at their non-conference schedule – uh, every every non-conference game they should win, except for Texas Tech, that could be a toss-up. But every other game in that, they should win. And then while the American will be a decent football conference, um, a lot of the teams like Tulsa and other teams that had surprisingly good seasons last year lost some key pieces. So there's a chance for uh, Houston to pick up some extra wins in conference play this year. See, that James sounds like he watched our last show. <laughs> we were going down a, the schedule. We had U of H, I think, what, eight wins? Yeah, I said that eight wins should be the minimum. Yeah. We had them going three and one non-conference. The one loss would be Texas Tech. Oh, we just lost Will. Okay, but so because Ace John fellas uh, popping up talking now. But, yeah, James, we had them at minimum eight and four because their conference games, they're not playing the, the, the great teams in the American. So they, so they do have a chance – but your intro was right on point. You mentioned that Dana Hogerson needs to win his third year. Is the seat kind of warm, James? Could could Hogerson, based on this year's schedule, being we think kind of kind of easy, if he doesn't get six wins, if they have a losing record, is he in trouble? I in mean, your opinion? I don't know for sure, but I definitely think um, he should. I mean he should be worried if they don't have a good season, just given that they've been seven and 13 in his first two seasons here while Houston doesn't get the top, you know, four or five star recruits, it's still a football hub with tons of talent. And so he should be able to put together a team and especially given his success at West Virginia in the big 12, when he was playing in a uh, arguably har much harder conference um, with the teams they're facing and he had success there. So if he can't do that in at Houston, um, then yes, I do think he should be worried and his job is up in the air uh, depending on how the season goes. And we, we got a question and we're going to do it again. So let's just go right, <laughs> go down the schedule. They open up versus Texas Tech, September 4th at NRD Stadium. We think that's going to be the, the, the loss of the four non-conference games would probably be that one. Yes, you're correct. If they are to lose one, they, that would be the only one. But it is a very winnable game because Texas Tech, while they are a Big 12 school, they haven't been that great in the past five, six years. So it's a winnable game. But if they are to lose one, yes, this would be the one. All right. Next, September 11th at Rice. 
you got to win that one. I mean, say it again, James, say it again. <laughs> you got to win that one. Like rice. I mean, first of all, it's an in-town rivalry. And second of all, rice football, just they've had one good season in the past 10, 11 years. You've it's the must win game. Next September 18th, Grambling. Another home one, game. another one. It's, it's home. You gotta, you gotta be able to win. Agreed. I was so, surprised. I wish, I wish you were here. Yeah, I was gonna say, Andy yeah. Tamer said last, our uh, last show, that she was kind of leaning toward Grambling, upsetting U of H, and the rest of us were like, mm-hmm. and, hell no. <laughs> if that happened, <laughs> yeah. Chris, what did you say? You said if that happened, Dana Hogerson should be fired right then and there. Yes, yes. If that happens, he should. He, she, he, like she even quit. If that can be Grambling home game, he should quit right after the game. You know, yeah. All right, James. So that's if the loss at Tech beat Rice, beat Grambling, two and one. Okay, conference play starts September twenty fifth versus Navy home game. I mean, they had they beat them last year, and they've sort of Navy always you know is difficult to prepare for just because of the triple option. You don't see it often, but talent wise, Houston has the better roster, and that's a winnable game, and that's one they should win. And honestly, U of H dominated them this past season when they played. I mean, they they limited, I think, throughout the game. Navy didn't crack 100 yards rushing until the very, like, the final play of the game or one of the final plays um, in that game. They dominated Navy, and that was at – in and, 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 uh, I can't even Annapolis. say it. Annapolis. Annapolis. Yeah. Annapolis. Yeah, Annapolis. That was in their home. Now they come over here at U of H, you'd expect them to be able to put another good performance against Navy, but they have given them struggles in the past. Next, Friday, at Tulsa on ESPN. So, yeah, Tulsa was a surprising team last year. You know, they made the conference championship game. Um, They surprised people, but they lost some key players, including Zayvon Collins. So I think they should win that game, um, just given the pieces. Tulsa will still be a good team, but I think it's a winnable game. Okay, so we're now at... Four and one, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. After Tulsa at Tulane Thursday, October 7th. So we got Navy on the 25th of September, Saturday, at Tulsa on a Friday, and then at Tulane on a Thursday. Yeah, so that's the key there. This could be more like a trap game. Um, they should that you Houston is better than uh Tulane and they have more talent. They dominated them last year after a slow start and they should win this game, but that's the key. The short turnaround it can cause sort of a trap game where, you know, they're tired from playing three games in 18 days or something like that. So yeah, that's a game to, you know, mark on your schedule. It should be a win, but you got to see if they're really prepared and that's one they can't take lightly. Okay. I'll just play devil's advocate. Say that's a loss. So okay. four, four and two. Uh, next, got a bye week, then homecoming, October 23rd, Saturday versus ECU. That's another game they should win. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to win that game. These are against teams that should be in the lower half of the American, and that you got to win against the bottom half of your conference if you're going to have any shot at you know, competing for a conference title. All right, that's five and two. October 30th, home versus SMU, Saturday. Now, this is a game I have circled. I think this one will be very interesting. SMU is getting a quarterback by the name of Tanner Mordecai. He transferred from OU. 
He's very talented, but he struggled with injuries, and he's also been behind some good quarterbacks when he was at Oklahoma and um, Jalen Hurts and Spencer Rattler. But if he's healthy, I think I'd give SMU the advantage just because he's got a lot of talent, and I think he'll present problems to the UH defense. Andy, what do you say about that? Yeah, I agree. Uh, in years past, I would say this would probably be a clear-cut uh, SMU being the favorite entering the game. But there's a little bit of uncertainty depending on how SMU will be just in terms of them no longer having Shane Buchel at quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how that offense responds to new quarterback. And I think it'll be a little bit of a question mark in the terms of the point of the season where it will be. They'll probably have a better sense of what their offense looks like. So it being in Houston, I think it's an interesting toss-up, but I would probably give the lean towards SMU just in terms of how they've been able to accomplish the past few seasons. Okay, so we got five and three. Agreed? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next, November 6th, Saturday at USF. This is another must-win game. USF has struggled recently or in the past, you know, three, four years at least. Mm -hmm. um, and while they have shown improvements, this is still Houston should is the better team on paper, and this is a game that they should win. Okay. Yeah, nope. another team U of H dominated last season. Okay. So there's a lot of wins here, fellas. November 13th, <laughs> Saturday at Temple. Another one, same category. Temple is one of those teams that will throw a wrench in some team American teams. They'll pull off an upset or two, but this is another game that Houston should win, and if they play to their capabilities, they will win. Okay. Andy, you agree? Yeah. I agree that it's honestly it's a game that U of H should win and they should win by double figures, if we're being honest. So we got two losses so far. Three. Three losses. Three, three losses. Three. three losses, right. Kind of SMU. So yeah. So Tex Tech, uh Tulane and SMU. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. November nineteenth, Friday, ESPN two home senior day versus Memphis. This is one of those challenging ones. Last year's game was super exciting, came down to the wire, back and forth. Um, in Memphis, they do lose a few key pieces, but they, they're always competitive in the conference. And so this is one that is another toss-up. But um, since it is senior day, you know, I have to give the advantage to Houston just being at home, a little more extra motivation. But this is one I can see going either way. Yeah, those U of H Memphis, Memphis games always <laughs> seem to end up going down to the wire regardless of the sport it is. And uh, last year, U of H was getting dominated for much of the game when they ran. They had this crazy rally in the fourth. I think one thing the U of H has an edge over these two teams, or honestly, a lot of these teams, is just um, stability at quarterback. They're having Clayton Toon, who's been under Dana Hogerson's system all three years that he's been here. Uh, that's probably the advantage they have over, you know, Memphis and SMU who are going to be in a, in a bit of a new situation at quarterback. But it's a question mark just in terms of what we've seen the past few seasons, how Memphis has been able to get the better of U of H. All right. Going to close out the season non-conference now because I'm no longer a member of the AAC. November 27th, Saturday, 11 a.m. Central Time at UConn. This is another game Houston has to win. I mean, they're familiar with UConn just given that they have been in the American for so long before just leaving. Um, and UConn has never been that great at football. They're a basketball school. And so this is a game that, you know, Houston has to win and hopefully 
they they can they need to cap off their season with a victory to put them in the best position to get a quality bowl game. Yeah, what James said that that could also be a you know a trap game once the conference schedule ends and they have a really good conference schedule. I mean, they might be looking at the championship game at whoever would be there. You'd imagine or you'd assume it'd be Cincinnati on that other end, but this might be a game they look over and it could be a trap game too. All right, so three or four losses, right? Yeah. Yes. Theoretically, they should have at least at, a, at the minimum eight wins. Okay. I agree. <laughs> so we all agree on that. Anything less, Hogerson should be in trouble. With this schedule. Yeah, I say with this schedule, seven, maybe he gets a little, uh, they show a little leniency, but with this schedule, you got it. He should be able to get at least eight. Yeah, and, and we're not, well, I'm, I'm going to say y'all, you know, chime in. I'm not saying that they're a great team. I'm just saying their schedule is kind of weak and they have mm-hmm. a, a chance to be the better team eight times this year. <laughs> this yeah. Season. Okay. yeah. James, who is going to be starting quarterback for the Kooks? Uh, Andy talked about it a little earlier, but Clayton Toon has been the guy. He's Dana, Dana Holgerson really likes him. Um, he's had now about a season and a half of starting experience under his belt. He started all of last year and he took over the year before midway through the season when Derek King announced he was going to redshirt the year before transferring to Miami. Um, so that's one thing I do think Houston has an advantage is, is quarterback because Toon's experience and he's, he's got, he's shown he has the tools to flashes. be the guy for UH. Um, Cause he, yeah, he has, like Andy said, flashes of brilliance. He, he's really good with his legs, but then he'll also make really dumb mistakes. And that's the main thing Dana Holgerson uh, emphasized over this spring ball was that uh, their main goal with tune is cutting down the really bad because mm-hmm. it's that really bad that gets him in trouble. And if he can cut down that and just, you know, take a throw away rather than heaving the ball downfield and it getting picked off and stuff, I think uh, he has a chance to really show some improvement um, and be a, qual- a quality starting quarterback for Houston. James, in your opinion, what position should be or looks to be the strength of the team, football team? I mean, this might surprise people, but honestly, I think you got to go with the defensive line. They lost their best uh, lineman in Peyton Turner. He was a first-round pick by the Saints. He could do everything. But despite that, the key this year is they have depth at that position. They brought in some transfers with power five playing experience, and then they've had some development of uh, of a few different guys. And one that I think will really break out this year is Logan Hall. People have been – coaches have been raving about his, uh, his performance in spring ball, and he's just sh- – uh, the way his body's built, he has the size to really um, be a force down there. Um, so, yeah, I'd say the defensive line is going to be where that the heart and soul of this team. Is there anybody in the conference that can compete, will compete w- with Cincinnati? See, you can go ahead first, Andy, if you want, if you have a thought. No. I was just going to say that is a tricky question because there's just a lot of uncertainty uncertainty with this conference just in terms of, you know, the teams in the past that have been up there. And obviously Tulsa was the, the team that made it to the championship game last season. But it, uh, James, you, you can give me your thoughts on this. That was more, in my opinion, an anomaly than, 
you know, Tulsa being consistently at that level, I feel like they have to show it. And when you look at the other teams that have been in that top tier in the American Athletic Conference with Memphis and SMU and UCF as well, a lot of those teams have a lot of question marks, especially at quarterback. So I think a lot of it has to be, you know, wait and see approach. But I think right now Cincinnati is a level ahead of everyone else in the conference. And since we're going to we're talking Cincinnati, let's bring back in Willie Gibson from Ohio to talk <laughs> about. He might be a little try to be impartial, sir. I mean, this is not the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. So you shook your head saying there's nobody else in the conference that could beat them. Go ahead, talk about the Bearcats. Well, to you know, you didn't have me be impartial. You know, I can't lose. No. Head coach Luke Fickle is graduate of the. Ohio State University, <laughs> but I digress. Um, no, I think Cincinnati, I mean, he's building a, a powerhouse down there. I mean, he got the job, and he's turned down overtures from from several high-profile universities, probably another overture coming this season, depending on how a certain uh, Big Ten East Division football school finishes. Um, but – he's just building the program. He's, he's doing it. He's bringing in talent. He's bringing in kids. He's bringing in NFL talent. I mean, he's getting players drafted uh, third, fourth, fifth round consistently since he's been there. Uh, he lost his defensive coordinator, uh, Marcus Freeman to uh, Notre Dame. But I think Luke being a defensive uh, coordinator himself uh, at Akron and also here at Ohio state, um, he's going to pick up the slack there. And I think just, what he has there and what he's building there is, is special. And I think he, as, as, as Andy said, is head and shoulders above uh, the remainder of the conference. And I think he is going to continue to be that way as long as he chooses to be there. I had a chance to read an article in the athletic talking about speaking to high school coaches in Ohio and all of them gave high praise to Coach Fickle and his inner, his job of keeping in touch with them, recruiting, building relationships, establishing net, you know constant contact with them, keeping talent in Cincinnati, in the state of Ohio. So it's great for Cincinnati. It may not be great for the other teams in the American, but it's, it's great for the, the conference because if at some point – the NCAA, well, the football, excuse me, the committee decides to expand and, and go to that 12-team playoff and not have automatic spots. As long as they're in the American, I think Cincinnati has a great chance to represent the conference in the, in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Anybody, thoughts on that? I mean, I agree. Like both of uh y'all have touched on, you know, Fickle's done a great job recruiting. He's made it competitive, even though he Cincinnati should be getting dominated by Ohio State in recruiting. He's gotten some top-tier athletes, gotten good guys, um, and really built a program that players want to be around. And I, even though, you know, they'll lose guys every year that were key contributors, he just keeps refilling them and replacing them with other solid, high talented, highly talented guys. And I think, you know, this is a program that's not um, – one that's, you know, just good for a few years, but one that just continues to replenish and becomes one of those dominant 
teams in the ACC for uh, or AAC for years to come. Mm-hmm. James, have you heard how things are going for the Cougs in terms of recruiting? Um, somewhat. Holgerson has. I mean, he met with us, the media, after um, signing day in April, I think. Um, but he hasn't really talked a ton about the upcoming, the 2022 class. But in terms of 2021, um, as of a few months ago, they still ha- Houston still had you know four or five spots left to fill, and they were looking to bring in either various transfers. I know they brought in a few international guys and stuff like that. So um, he was he was more focused on you know filling those. 2021 roster spots rather than uh, more the three years in the future, wherever you want to look at it like that. I'm going to toss this out to all of you. Andy, you brought this up to me, brought it to my attention earlier today mm-hmm. about uh, Chris Pezman, article in the Chronicle from Joseph Duarte. Chris Pezman, AD for U of H, mentioned that the possibility of teams having to forfeit if they don't have enough healthy players this season to compete in football has been is being discussed. And he also mentioned that U of H has a football team has what is it seventy percent of the players have been vaccinated. Correct. Yeah, around there. What do y'all think about that, James? Should you should teams have to forfeit this year compared to last year when U of H really took a hit? from opponents not being able to have to, you know, postpone games or cancel games because of COVID? Yeah. I mean, that's a tricky question. I mean, since the vaccine is readily available, uh, there's always, you know, the option, you know, players should have gotten vaccinated and this wouldn't have happened. And like we saw in the NCAA tournament with VCU having to drop out because Mm -hmm. they had COVID cases. So that's going to be a tricky issue that not everyone can agree on, but I do think, uh, they they should they I think forfeiting is a viable option if like rescheduling is completely not possible. I think you should try to reschedule it if possible. But like last year, given Houston's schedule, they had to reschedule like so many games. They had the most cancellations in all of college football division one. And so when it becomes a tricky situation like that, then you're gonna get into areas when you do need, yeah, this has to be a forfeit. You know, we just don't have enough spaces to fill in if we're having five teams cancel or get postponed. We can't fit all of them in the rest of the season. <laughs> oh, was Will upside down? For yeah, Will's just going upside down there, man. Yeah. What are you doing over there, bro? You know. <laughs> but, yeah, Andy, what do you think, um, man? Should teams have to forfeit if they don't have enough players? Uh, yeah, like James said, it's a tricky situation just in terms of the vaccine being available, especially, you know, in, in areas, um, especially in Houston where there's a lot of, I mean, honestly, the demand for the vaccine is not as high. Anyone that really wants it can probably go out there and get it. Um, and especially going back to last season, like you know, there was UH and Baylor who Baylor ended up canceling like less than 24 hours before that kickoff was supposed to, to happen. I think in situations like that, you know, I mean, honestly, especially depending on where the individual teams are in terms of team uh getting vaccinated they probably i could see them going with getting penalized it's a tricky situation because of course it's been a debate ever since the vaccines happened of oh it's my choice should i get vaccinated this or that if the ncaa or the individual conferences decide to you know penalize teams for 
having COVID issues, especially if their vaccination percentage isn't high. I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but I know that would probably be a, a controversial topic if any conference or the NCAA as a whole decided to do that. Will, what do you think about it? Should teams have to forfeit games because of COVID? Not enough players? I guess Will can't hear us. All right, well, gonna have to bump him out and have him come back in because he didn't seem to hear the question there. We'll come back to him. Well, James, let's talk some basketball, man. You of age basketball. And I'm, I'm going to make this announcement here uh, publicly. See if James had, is available. He may become a regular on these live stream shows if he has the time to join us to talk some, some U of H football and basketball going forward. And I, I'm putting out the invitation to the Thresher, that's Rice, TSU as well. Y'all want to come join us on, on these shows? Just hit me up and we'll make it happen. So I, I have no problem discussing everybody, all, all the teams in H-Town. I see the table, so let's do that. So U of H basketball. James, what are your thoughts? Because I've you know, talked about, Andy, talk about it with Andy many times. But what were your impressions of, of last year's Final Four team? Were you surprised they made it to the Final Four? Yes, I was surprised they made it to the Final Four. I thought they'd make it Sweet 16, maybe Elite Eight. Um, but I was surprised they made it to the Final Four. But with the job Kelvin Sampson's done each year, you know, being able to build this program from the ground up, really, when he came to Houston and really get the kids to buy in, it didn't surprise me that – I was surprised but not surprised because, you know – they just play with in such a way that everyone's completely bought in. They show more effort and energy than any other team in the country. So it, it all paid off. Um, and it shows really what, what Houston is capable of being as a basketball school. And I um, spoke with Taylor Eldridge from the Wichita Eagle, Kansas.com, interviewed him a few days ago to get his thoughts on the Shockers, of course, the conference as well, and U of H. And he is just, as long as Kelvin Sampson, this Taylor talking, as long as Kelvin Sampson is at U of H, Taylor believes, like many of us do, that U of H will be in contention for conference championships and deep runs in tournament. But he was also surprised that they made it to the Final Four. Mm -hmm. I was too. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe last year's team was better than the 33-4 and four year team. But breaks happen, things go your way, things don't go your way. Last, year team made, last season team made it to the Final Four. I think this year's team may have maybe, – maybe deeper, maybe more athletic. But that does not mean – that's not a guarantee to get back, get back to the Final Four. So that's the fun thing about sports and, you know, one-and-done tournament. James, what are your thoughts on – oh, good, yeah, thank you for this. Had a comment – popped up on, on our YouTube channel for this. Were you surprised that Bryson Gresham transferred to Texas Southern? Um, a little bit, but not completely. I didn't think he would be back at uh, Houston just because they'd filled most of their spots. And Kelvin Sampson has always talked about, you know, the importance of developing those freshmen and other guys that they get in there that are younger and then actually getting them, you know, meaningful playing time which he's done really well. So I felt like, you know, Gresham's spot, he wouldn't have had a clear-cut role in the team. Um, so I either expected him to either sign some international deal 
or to transfer to a, another school. Um, and like you said, he ended up choosing TSU. Andy, what do you think about that? Were you surprised? Yeah, James hit it right in the nail. I think I was more surprised that he chose to return to college ball. Not so I wasn't really surprised that he chose to transfer out of Houston. And, and Chris, you talked about this, maybe, uh, you know, the international offers weren't as strong or whatever were his factors into coming back to college ball. I think transferring out of Houston's the best decision for him using that super senior season due to the COVID rules. I mean, obviously in Houston, I mean, even this past season, he saw his role, you know, get reduced to about 15, 20 minutes a game. And, and that was without Fabian White. Now that Fabian White will be back, you got a, a lot of new bigs. With I mean, the bigs were already there with Kieran Powell and Reggie Chaney. And then you add the new crop that's coming in from the freshmen. I mean, yeah, his role wouldn't have been defined. And he probably would have struggled to see minutes on the floor with U of H. Oh, yeah. He would have he would have struggled for minutes. You know, Fabian, Reggie Chaney, I think Josh Carlton is better mm-hmm. than, than Bryson Gresham. And then you got the younger guys, Jawan Roberts, JBA Francis. U of H front court is they're stacked. They're, they're, they're stacked, and the team is positioned to be like the the typical U of H teams have been recently, too deep at every position. Yeah, and too deep at the five spot. That's not that's not including Bryson. He wasn't going to play at U of H this year. I think we haven't heard from Kelvin about his, you know. In a media setting, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if he, Coach Sampson, you know, spoke with Coach Johnny Jones at TSU, and they, you know, talked about Bryson and believed Bryson would be a good fit at TSU, and, and decided to just help each other out. You know, TSU, U of H basketball have really become joined, joined at the hip the last few years because of U of H having to play over at TSU and, and how that how well that went for the whole season. The you know, it's a neighborhood schools. So, I mean, they're not mm-hmm. far from each other. They have a good relationship. So I, I think Coach Sampson put in a good word with Coach Jones for Bryson to go over there at TSU. And I think Bryson can do well in the SWAC. Although the SWAC really is a guard league. It's a guard-dominated league. So it's, it's not too many big men dominate. So that, that might be a problem, you know, if Bryson has to defend – on the perimeter, things like that. But I wish him the best. He's, he's, he's a great guy, great young man. I, I think he'll he'll enjoy TSU and have a chance to go back to the tournament with a different team. So that that's going to be interesting as well. So, James, anything you want to toss out there, man, that we haven't talked about U of H athletics so far? I mean – I'd be interested to hear your thought, you got your guys' thoughts on just, you know, sticking with basketball on Kyler Edwards and sort of, I sort of view him, you know, he's been, he's been with a, some good Texas tech teams that he went to the championship with Chris Beard in 2019. He's, I, I sort of view him as sort of, they want him to take that Quentin Grimes leap. Um, maybe not the full way, but that leap that Quentin Grimes showed from uh, year one at Houston to year two and really became, you know, a reliable scorer and was a big reason why they made uh, Houston made such a big run in the uh, NCAA tournament. I, I'm, I, you know, this is July 18th. Top of my head, I think Kyler Edwards will, will be in the starting lineup. Fabian White will as well. Marcus Sasser will. 
Reggie Cheney. Probably. <laughs> I'm not sure. And who'd you say, Andy? Tremont Mark. Tremont Mark. Yeah. That's 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 a, that's a stout starting five right there, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he came off the bench. Jamal Shedd. Josh Carlton. Uh, Juwan Roberts. Taze Moore. <laughs> I mean, I haven't named uh, JVA Francis, Ramon Walker, uh, Rob, Robbie Armbrester. This team is athletic. They're deep. They got a good balance between youth and experience. I'm looking forward to the season. I, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be able to see practice in person sometime yeah. at, least at, <laughs> at the end of it. You know, things like that because COVID took that away, really. Go ahead, Andy. Uh, no, I mean, I was just going to talk on James's question in terms of Kyler Edwards and what his role could be with, with Houston. I think it's interesting. When was the last time that Kelvin – I can't remember exactly when Kelvin talked. I think it was sometime in May or – June around there, but he he mentioned, you know, how they had always liked Kyler Edwards when he was a freshman. And ultimately they just decided, I think he said they chose Nate Hinton or someone else that had signed with U of H instead. So they had always had that connection when they were recruiting him. And when the opportunity came for him to transfer over from Texas tech, it was already like a perfect fit. So I think in terms of that role, obviously they, they, they're going to need someone to fill that void that Quinn Grimes is leaving. I, I wouldn't exactly put those expectations to have that kind of impact on him just in terms of how good Quentin Grimes was his final year here. But I think, you know, like you mentioned, Chris, his team is so deep and I think he'll be the starter, but his, I guess his load won't be as much, honestly, that any of, of the guards that are, you can't, expect to any of them to have fill the roles that Dejon is leaving, Quentin is leaving. I think it's going to be a lot more. Uh, 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 it's going to be a true, honestly, they could be a nine man rotation, uh, probably even 10 throughout the season. And we'll see how it goes from there. I, I think Kyler could be more Dejon. And then we'll see who of Marcus and Tremont, who could be close to Quentin, you know, mm-hmm. Tremont has to get obviously going from freshman to technically freshman. sophomore, <laughs> but back to freshman, you know, mm-hmm. officially, but second season in the program, if he gets stronger and definitely got to be more consistent, but mm-hmm. the potential is there. You know, we heard plenty of times during uh, media sessions, the players talked about, how your mom puts him, you know, gives him the business in practice. You right. know, he's got to be consistent. And hopefully no COVID setbacks because his first, what was it, three, four games of his freshman year, he, he was very good. He was, yeah. And then COVID hit, and then he struggled. But if he can get back to those first three, four game performances, it's the, let's, we, U of A is going to a tournament. We yeah. all know that. It's just a question of, Seed and how far they're going to go in the tournament. So, all right, James, this has been great, man. Thank you very much. Uh, how can folks find you? See the crossing on there. What else do you do at the Cougar, man? Well, let me put you on the spot. 
<laughs> what was it like working with Andy Yanez, man? Was, was he a pain in the oh. butt? Was he a great <laughs> guy? What was it? What, what was he like? No, working with Andy was great. Um, I remember my freshman year, so in 2019, I went to the first game I covered live was a women's basketball game. I think they were UH was playing OU, and Andy took me and sort of walked me to the media section, sat with me the whole time, then took me down to the media room after where we did the actual, you know, in-person press conference stuff that we haven't done in a year since COVID. Um, so I really got to experience that. And I w I'm just really grateful for how he showed me the ropes that way. So that really, he was the one who sort of was one of the guys that I could go to when I first joined the Cougar. And then last year as his assistant, um, it was, he was just great, you know, teaching me WordPress, which is what we use to edit stuff, um, our, our articles. And he was also, you know, gave me helpful writing tips. And I feel like he's been a big reason for my uh, growth, um, both as a writer and just as a, a sports <laughs> observer and analyst. Um, yeah, in general. Wow, That's Andy. awesome. Yeah, Chris, I, I did not pay him to say that. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you if you gave him, send him anything, no. be a cash app or anything like that. That's great. James, let me ask you this. Are there any women on the staff? Um, yes, we do have, we've, we have one or no, we have three now, actually. We had two more that mm -hmm. just joined um, and we've had one that's been with us for a while um, named Jayla and she's been great. So yeah, we, and that, that's an area we're also looking to improve on or expand on because we want that, the women's voice in sports, like a bunch of different outlets are pushing for. And I think that's important too at um, U of H to really reflect um, our student body um, and the coverage that we can give from different standpoints. Okay. Yeah. That's great. And I'm going to ask you to put Jayla or, you know, specifically her, because I think I've seen her on a zoom call maybe for U of H women's basketball, I invite her to join the folks talking sports stream shows in the future or any of the young ladies on the Cougar to join, to get their perspective of U of H athletics on these shows. I'm all for that. So keep that in mind. What are we going to say, Andy? No, I was going to say that's one of the things that I try to, you know, make an emphasis is in terms of our staff, Jayla has been there for, she's been there, honestly, she joined probably like a month or two after I joined the Cougar. Uh, but just in terms of our women's coverage, and this is something that irked me. My first year, I remember we butchered uh, the women's basketball coverage the last time that UConn played at Fertitta Center, and we didn't have anyone to cover that in person. And I remember uh, uh, that was something that always bugged me, and uh, we tried to uh, – I made it a focus for this past season. With Obviously, COVID, everything was a little different, but just in terms of how we covered – a women's basketball. That's something that I, I tried to make it a, a point of emphasis to actually have someone at least on the zooms for, for most of the games. I think we probably did have one for every game. Um, and most of them for sure. And I try to make sure it was like every game. Um, Cause that really irked me, but um, we have one question. I'm interested to hear James's thoughts on, on that question about the baseball team. Yeah. Ask about uh, James, thoughts on baseball and Coach Whitting, and then we'll let you go. Yeah, I mean, I don't, according to sources I've talked to, I don't think there will be, I don't think Whitting will be gone um, this offseason. I think he's got one more year. Um, <laughs> just because, I mean, if they were going to do it, I think they would have done it after the season ended. And they've also brought in 
a new hitting coach and other staff. So they're sort of already working around it. I do think it will be a tough year for baseball. You've already seen they've had some of their best players um, and really some young players that showed potential that didn't get a ton of playing time last year, but would have stepped up into a role this year transfer already. So they're down that they lost their best pitcher to the draft and Robert Gasser. There's a few other guys um, who were more experienced and they were solid players. They weren't studs or stars or anything that, but they were solid, you know, role players who could add to the team that have signed um, professional contracts with different MLB organizations. So I think it's going to be a tough year just given everything they've lost. It's going to be a a lot of new faces. You're not going to most casual UH baseball fans won't recognize most of the faces on the team. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough year and, but the pressure's on. Cause I, like I said, I think Whitting, if he doesn't have a good year this year, um, they're going to have to go in a different direction in terms of the coaching staff and bringing in some new people. James Mueller, sports editor of Daily Cougar with some somber news about U of H baseball <laughs> for the upcoming season. James, man, thank you very much. Um, will you be able to join us this, for our next show? I should be able to. I mean, I appreciate you having me, and this is great. I always enjoy talking any type of sport, really. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm available, I'm there for sure. Okay, we'll reach out to you, and we'll try to touch base. Okay, last thing for you. His finals prediction. Yes, Bucks, Suns. Is it over in six, or is it going seven? I do think the Bucks will win in six. I think the Suns just emotionally, having lost those last two games, were, and they haven't been able – to get the stops they needed defensively and also offensive rebounds. The Bucks have killed them. I think they've gotten 28 offensive boards in the past two games. And without Aiton on the floor, they don't have Saric who got hurt in the first game. They don't have any other big that can really rebound. And so I think the Bucks are just going to enforce their will and they're going to um, lift the Larry O'Brien trophy um, on their home court. Thank you, James Mueller. Keep it touch, man, and, and we'll see you on the next show. Take care. Awesome. All right, now I'm going to bring back in Mr. V. Ohio State. Slide over just a little bit, sir, to your left. Just a little bit to your left. There you go. All right. That was good. See? Yeah. Folks talking sports, we're branching out, people, and we got big things in store. Trust me, you just keep tuning in to these, these live stream shows. We're going to continue doing, um, adding to the show, and we got one thing that I'm very proud of. I think we're very close to announcing, but it won't. We'll just have to keep, keep watching to see what that <laughs> announcement is going to be. All right, Rockets draft is 11 days away. Andy, did I text you this? Uh, Will, I want you to talk about this as well. But did I text you about Zach Harper from The Athletic having Quinn Grimes going to the Pistons? You emailed me, yes. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? And, he, and his, his assessment was kind of, kind of, kind of harsh. <laughs> But, but uh, go ahead, Andy. Well, you can chime in on it too. Let me let me see if I can pull it up while y'all talk. Quinn Grimes has uh, a pistol. I'm curious, Chris. What what was the harsh part of the? Uh, he talked about his handles not being good, his his his, his uh, ability to score around the basket not being good. I mean, it's harsh. It was true. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, Quinn I think was a better ball handler in high school than he was, but he was really wasn't asked to handle the ball that much at U of H. So, but yeah, Quinn Grimes at 37, second round to Detroit. I think that's about right. We had him kind of Mm -hmm. going late 30s, 
mid late forties. That's about right. right. I don't I don't see him. I'd be surprised if he goes in the first round, despite his mm-hmm. his great performance at the combine. Will, sir, Eric Gordon, mm-hmm. rumors being traded to the Pacers to get the Pacers' thirteenth pick, mm-hmm. and then packaging that to the Pistons as part of a deal to get the first pick. And I'm going to stop folks right now. 13th pick, mm-hmm. that ain't enough. You better come with something more than that. No, give me a, hey, 13th pick. Two and 13. Pick, two and 13. Nope, nope, nope. Two, two 13, 23. Give me two, 13, 23, and the pick back in 2022. Give me, yeah, I want all that. <laughs> all of there's, it. There's yeah. no way. There's no Chris, way. The funny thing is, there's a lot of uh, rumored innuendo out there that the Pistons like Jalen Green, which wouldn't make sense for if that were the case. It wouldn't make sense for the Rockets to make a trade if the Rockets really want Cade and the Pistons are leading towards Jalen Green. Couldn't the Pistons just take him with the number one pick? See, there you go, Andy. You're being smart. You're using logic. A lot of these rumors (laughs) and stuff being tossed around is just talk, is just chatter, is just articles clickbait you're trying to do all these different things we could talk about rumors right now you know whatever it's teams doing their diligence doing their job rafael stone said it at the media gathering on lottery night that they were going to bring in 40 60 to 60 players draft prospects to look at work out they were going to do their diligence in terms of making trades he said all those things then yeah. so this other stuff this rumors and the majority of trades that happen in the NBA, you don't hear about until they're done. Yep. Many of the rumors tossed about Team X looking at trade, so-and-so to Team Y, they don't happen. More of those rumors don't happen than the actual deal. You never hear about the actual deal more times than not. It, you know, you can say it's fun or whatever, but... Let's just go with Eric Gordon to the Pacers. If the Rockets can get out of that contract, go for it. And the 13th pick, that'd be really, that'd be perfect. Especially, you know, Chris and and Will, I have this question. I'm curious where you guys, um, I guess, would place Davian Mitchell, Baylor's Davian Mitchell. He's a player I've been curious about just in terms of, uh, watching him play in the Final Four, I was really impressed with how he was able to dissect that U of H defense. And, you know, m- most mock drafts that I've seen have him about that 7 to 12 range, somewhere in there. Where do you guys put him, and, and what do you think about him? I've seen him as low as 20, which surprised me. Yeah. Uh, he had a great season this past season. He was locked in from three-point range. Defense was great. He didn't. He did not shoot great from three prior to this past season. So some teams have concerns if this season was a was just an aberration, and mm-hmm. the previous ones were his were his consistent mark. Um, you know he's he's not he's not that tall. Uh, you know I mean teams are going to nitpick, find little things here and there. Teams look for the perfect player. You know they want the ideal height, ideal arm length, all those things. And if you're in the, if, if you're in college too long, something must be wrong with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I think David Mitchell 
can play in the pros and be a help to whoever team gets him. I was glad to hear uh, Saturday his teammate, Baylor teammate, Jared Butler, got clear medically because I didn't hear about it specifically except from one person, but apparently uh, the issues were Jared's heart. He was having, there were some heart concerns, mm-hmm. medical mm, flags that uh, caused some questions, but the NBA medical board cleared him. Jared, you know, can re- really resume on-court workouts for teams and put in that grind and, and get together and get his name called on July 29th. So if the Rockets trade Eric Gordon for the 13th pick and some bricks and mortar, <laughs> they had, they would have this and that, this, that scenario, the two 13, 23rd and 24th pick. What would you, what do you think they should do if they had four first round picks? In, in this coming draft? I would probably look to package it into some deal and, and get a, a more established player who has a ceiling that could potentially grow with the core of this roster. Um, but, you know, I was curious with, in terms of 13th pick, what would you think about the Rockets taking a flyer on some of these players, maybe David Mitchell or someone else? Hey, if the Rockets got... Mitchell, I think that'd be great. Will, I'm answering Andy's question, but Will, in the Rocket Detroit rumors, mm-hmm. did you see or hear that folks were writing about Kevin Porter Jr. going to the Pistons as part of this deal? No. <laughs> yes. That no. was one of the rumors tossed out there. Yes. So what that tells you, and that tells me, and that tells Andy, and that's proof positive that it's silly season. Don't believe anything that you hear. All of this, it's 11 days before the draft. Same thing with NFL draft. You start hearing all kind of outlandish stuff, and it's like, stop it. Stop it. You might have had me if that made half a bit of sense, but no. And and I've, I've, I've seen uh, people talk about Christian Wood going back to the Detroit. <laughs> now, because, I did see that. That yeah, I did see. Because no. Detroit regrets letting Christian Wood go. No, they don't. No, no they don't. No, no, no they, they don't. don't. No. Now, with so, the big guy with Stewart? No. Yeah, Isaiah Stewart. No, no. It, no. Um, the deal that they worked out, Rockets and Seawood, was $14 million per. The max Detroit wanted to pay Seawood was $10 million per. So, no, they don't regret that. No. Trust me on that. Trust me on that one. Um, but, yeah, it's silly season. It's fun season. Uh, I have putting aside my media credential and putting on my piston cap. (laughs) One rumor that gave me pause to consider was OKC and trading SGA and OKC picks to the Pistons for the first pick. So it'd be Mm. like SGA, what is it, 5 and 18, I think, something like that for OKC? It is. For one, I I I paused and thought about that one <laughs> because SGA Shea is he's he's young. The timeline is the same for for the Pistons. He's talented. Um, you still get have a chance to get who you want at five and get 18th pick as well. So I I I I'd considered that one. Not gonna happen though, but I would con I consider it 
and it it has some legs because Troy Weaver worked at OKC, so he and Sam Presti have a relationship, you know, and, and I, I'm sure Troy Weaver had his hand in selecting SGA, you know, or giving SGA to OKC. So I would consider that one. But Cade Cunningham is going to be a piston unless somebody blinks and gives, gives Detroit the offer I'm putting out there. Four first-round picks, you know, that's, that's three this year, and then the, the Pistons keeping their 2022 20, pick, something like that. So, so yeah, that's what I think Troy Weaver is asking for is three first-round picks. Well, uh-oh. Got there, Will. Oh, he lost. <laughs> he just lost Will there. See what happened? See what happened? That foolishness. My ears couldn't take that foolishness yeah, anymore, he, man. <laughs> let's talk some Big Ten football. Oh, uh, Big Ten media day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Put my hands up here. Or prayer hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will, the Big Ten media day is, is Tuesday or starts tomorrow? Th- Thursday, Friday. Thursday, Friday. Two days. In person, correct? Will? Yes, Indianapolis. In- Indianapolis. Swack Media Day, Football Media Day. Birmingham. One day in person. Pac 12, Football Media Day. In person in LA. SEC. Four days. Four days. I thought I think Pac 12 is one day in LA. SEC four days football media day in Hoover, Alabama, in person. The American Athletic Conference, two days virtual. Virtual, mm. two days virtual. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and they're the last ones. It's not until August. Yeah, it's, it's August. And you have what we think. One of the where would you rank, Will, preseason if, if you did it, mm-hmm. Cincinnati football? Where would you put them? Where would you put the Bearcat football team this year? I put them top 15. Top 15. I'm, I'm good with that, Andy. Yeah, I agree. I put them in top 15. So you have a potential, in our case, consensus top 15 football team this year in your conference. You're going to have a virtual media day. You don't want to have it in person. And I'm put it out there. You could, because I have seen teams do it. I've seen some leagues do it. You could require the media to show proof of vaccination if that's your concern. Code vaccination, you show proof. Why, 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 why are you not having media day in person? Hell. Have it in Cincinnati, the city of your flagship program, because they are the flagship program in football. I just shake my head at that at the conference. I know I was told weeks ago they had the hiring freeze. I know about that. But that leads me to my next issue. What happened to the money you got from ESPN? The TV deal you got, the 12 year deal you got with ESPN for ESPN Plus. That's, it was what, 12 years, initially $1 billion. Right, Andy? Yeah, it sounds about 
So right. roughly per per school member school, I think it's going to build up as the contract progressed. What three million per something like that? Start off whatever, but is money going to the conference as well? So you got some money from ESPN. You can't have a media day in person, a football media day in person. Football is the, is the flagship. As great as U of H men's basketball is, basketball does not, not make the world go around. This is football. You can't have a football media day in person? Please explain. Am I wrong? Am I wrong thinking that? I don't think so. Yeah, especially when you look at what the other Power Five conferences are doing and the American Athletic Conference loves to call themselves the Power Six. There you go, sir. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. The AAC loves to call itself the Power Six Conference. And every other big boy conference is having football media day in person. The AAC is doing virtual. Okay, so, and you got a top 15 program to top. I, I sent out a few queries last few days trying to get some info on if the conference, if the AAC is working on content for their channel on ESPN+. Plus. Hmm. Crickets. Crickets. One of the teams I think should have, I think probably too late now, should should be on ESPN Plus. Have a show about the Bearcats. Behind the scenes look, you know, Coach Fickle, some of the players, get to know the Bearcats. Top 15 program. You got ESPN Plus. You you said it was. It's just like having our, our own channel on ESPN. Okay. <laughs> Utilize the platform then. Basketball season. Who's the best team? Who's the who? Yeah, point blank. Who's the best team in the conference? Basketball, men's basketball. Houston. Houston, do a show yeah. about U of H men's basketball. Especially coming off the final four run. Final they four team. Be. Amen. Women's basketball, best team is South Florida, UCF. Hell, do a show about U of H as up-and-coming team with a goal to get to the NCAA tournament. I'm pretty sure just I feel safe in saying that Coach Huey, Huey would not have a problem being on ESPN Plus, having a show about U of H women's basketball on ESPN Plus. Man, call, he'd love it. Call, <laughs> call that a hunch. I'm just going to say that. Call that a hunch. Well... Yes. Who who was the second best team in the Big Ten in football? This year. Um Indiana. Excuse me? Indiana. This year. The the Hoosiers. Yes. I know, right? Okay, I, I said football will. I didn't say basketball. I know. I, said, I know. Oh, I know. Okay, I know. So not not that uh, maize and blue people, of course not. 
Stop it. Not, not, not Iowa. No. Not Penn State? You know what? I, I like James Franklin. The, here's the thing with James Franklin. And, and remember school days? Remember the movie School Days? Yeah. And remember Mission College, the football coach, and at halftime he went to the <laughs> locker room? Yeah. He said, do you want me to lose my job? Yeah. That's James Franklin every <laughs> other year. This is going to be the year that Penn State does something because there's rumors and whispers and the seeds are getting a little, 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 little warmer in State College for James Franklin. They're going to do something this year, but I can't say they're the second best team. They're going to win in spite of that because he has some things going on up there. And every year that the whispers get a little louder, they come up with a 10-2 and two season. So, where, where will Nebraska be in the pecking order? See, it's 14 teams in the Big Ten. Yes. <laughs> I say that facetiously, but seriously. Um, 13. Wow. Wow. How mm. far the mighty have fallen. And I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll say this. We have, a, we have, we have our, our, our good buddy, uh, AJ Jones, has uh-huh. a, a nice little thing with, with Nebraska and, and more probably Scott Frost. But in, in their defense, I mean, they had 78 freshmen and sophomores last year. 78 freshmen and sophomores. So in time, maybe in two years, yeah. But right now, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah what? Are they talented? Uh, Are they two and three stars, Will, like you of A, Scott? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, some of them. <laughs> yeah, some of them. And, and he just ran off uh, Little McCaffrey. Uh, is that, is that Rice? Right yeah, yeah, yeah. So you basically so, get to see him in uh, game two of the season. Yeah, which all of us say Uvh must win that Uvh Rice football game. So yeah, Andy, I think you and Will have the series going seven. Uh. N- no. Originally, I had the Bucks in seven after watching Milwaukee play the past three games. Phoenix's roster situation, I, I'm needing Bucks in six. So I've completely done a complete 180 from okay. where I was about so, a week ago. So, Will, you stand alone. So, it's me, Andy, and James got the Bucks closing out in six. You got the series going seven. Do you have the Suns winning in seven or the Bucks I- winning in seven? I have the Suns winning in seven. Suns in seven. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Any concern? Well, yes, let's talk about this. I think they're playing right now. They're playing Spain in their final mm. tune-up before the Olympics. Team USA men's team versus Spain. Oh, Will, got to get your thoughts on Kevin Love suddenly – his uh, calf injury recovery wasn't good enough, so he decided to opt out. What are your thoughts on that? He knew. Um, the The whole reason him being there was to get some traction on some trade talks. Now, with that not happening, um, it's buyout season. It's buyout season. They they have to buy him out of me. You've heard rumors of packaging him and Colin Sexton to Miami. You've heard Colin Sexton individually to New York, to the Knicks. 
Um, but Kevin Love, $60 million over the next two years. It's probably he'll give back about $13, 14000000 million and spread that $46 million over the next five years and let him go sign with Brooklyn as he wants to do or maybe go home to Portland. Have the Cavs gotten to that point of a buyout? They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it, but sure. Yeah, they they're close. They're close. They're still trying to exhaust every option that they have. But because Kevin Love, the the brief minutes he did have with Team USA, oh, it's horrible. Was horrible. Didn't show anything. So, what incentive does another NBA team have to trade for him? Exactly. That's that's it. I mean, in their mind, they still want to exhaust every option, but to the 29 other teams, they'll wait. They'll wait. Are, are, is Team USA men's team in trouble because of their struggles? I, this is my opinion, and get y'all to chime in, of course. The Olympics just aren't that important to me anymore. And I'm not knocking the other the international team because the goal 30 years ago was to grow the game globally. You're seeing hundreds of international players in the NBA. You're seeing the talent level spread out in other countries. So USA may have more individual talented players, but they don't play together long enough to have chemistry on offense and defense to just get it done against other good teams, other teams who have NBA players as well. Mm-hmm. So, and this team needs Drew Holiday. This team needs another perimeter defender because Dame is a scorer. He's not a lockdown defender. Before he had to leave, Bradley Beal, Better defensive player than Dane. He can't do holiday. Other than Draymond Green, who else you got? Play defense on the perimeter. Yeah. You know, play it well. KD, okay, solid, but he ain't Drew. He ain't Draymond. So I'm not sure the pieces, and I'm not making an excuse, but COVID pushed everything off schedule, you know, disrupting practice time and players being available and all those other issues. So they could lose. They could come home without a gold medal. They could come out. I don't know if they come home without a medal period. Like they did in the 2019 world championships. I think they'll get a medal, but it's not that big of a deal if they do or don't. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts? I mean, like you said right there, you're not the only one with that mindset. I feel like the NBA players uh, themselves probably don't view the Olympics as, you know, like some of these other countries, like you saw when Nigeria beat Team USA. I mean, it was a big win for them. And look at Australia, some of these other countries, Slovenia, who I, I believe Luka Doncic is Slovenia team. Yep. Um, it's like the first time ever being in the Olympics or qualifying for them. Like, for them, it's a much bigger deal. And you, when you look at, you know, Team USA, they've been there, done that. That that plays a factor if that 
that, uh, for lack of a better word, that mentality where it could come and make a difference once the games are close and down the stretch. I, I think the lack of continuity is a factor. The other teams being talented is a factor. No fear factor anymore. They're not afraid of these guys anymore because they play against them all the time now. And ironically, the world championship is more important internationally than the Olympics. The other teams, other countries want to beat USA in the Olympics because USA. But in terms of which trophy is more important, the majority of the countries will say they're world championships, not the Olympics. So, you know, if, if they if they win, they lose. I, I changed completely. Growing up, when I was Andy's age and younger, man, I would wave that flag, red, white, and blue. <laughs> I would I would be almost in tears if you if you would say that winning basketball gold medal. You know, I would just eh, now nah, whatever. On the women's side, they lost to Australia uh, Friday by three, 70, 67. Didn't shoot well from three, two for 18. They bounced back today, riding Nigeria by 30. Played better defense, shot the ball better. Women's team is still the favorite to win the gold there. Going for their seventh consecutive Olympic gold medal. Seven in a row. That doesn't get enough attention, acknowledgement, appreciation. But if they don't win a gold medal, that'll be a big deal <laughs> to me. That'll be a big deal because men's basketball, women's basketball, the talent, there's still a gap, a wide enough gap between the USA women and everybody else mm-hmm. as opposed to the talent gap between USA men and everybody else. The gap is shrinking. But when you got 6'8", Brittany Griner, 6'4", Asia Wilson, 6'4", Tina Charles, 6'4", Brianna Stewart, come off the bench with 6'5", Sylvia Fowles. I mean, I think, hell, Sue Bird might be the shortest player on the team. She's 5'9", 5'10". You know I mean? But the front court, USA's front court women's team is the determining factor. They're deeper than everybody else. They just have to, like most teams, take care of the ball and play good defense. They do those things. They should win a seventh straight gold medal. Andy, are you going to watch the Olympics? Uh, Depending on the schedule, depending on the different times they play, um, I'd probably catch a few games, but <laughs> kind of like what you said, I won't necessarily go out of my way to, to tune in. It's a 16-hour time difference between here and Tokyo. I'm not getting up at 2 in the morning to watch something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm too old for that. Uh, years ago, I did dumb stuff like that. You know, because I was, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, I lived basketball, lived and breathed. I was, man, what time is the game? Fight to take a nap or whatever. Set the clock. I'm there. <clears throat> now, I watch the replay. Or 
I see the ticker. Okay, oh, they won. Good. They lost. Oh, well, whatever. You know. But, Will. Yes. Should, there, should the Olympics still be happening because of COVID and the rising cases in, in Japan? Before I answer that, let me just give an update. Opening minute of the second quarter, Spain 21, Team USA 16. Um, should the Olympics be happening? As we just found out, two positive COVID cases in the Olympic Village. I don't know if this is one of them, but Coco Golf announced she had withdrawal due to right. being COVID-19 yeah. positive today. Um, it's tough, man. Um, should the Olympics be going on? Stuff. Come on, Will. I know, folks, right? Think that, folks that talking hesitation. sports, man. Take a stand, man. Take a stand, <laughs> man. Come on, maybe. Yeah, that man. hesitation probably gives his, his answer. Yeah. yeah. The pause yeah. Is, is your answer. Yeah. It does. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 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 Because so. we know why it's happening. Oh, we know why. Of course. There there are billions of reasons why sure. it's, it's happening. Sure. And and I can I can make the argument. That you know, world the schedule, world championships next year. So, do you take two years off? I mean, I know, I know, I tried. Don't look at me like that, Chris. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the and the positive test in the village. Give me pause now. Really, you yes. know, concerns for sure. Yes. I mean, fans aren't going to be able to attend. So that's the ticket sales. Billion dollars is gone right there for that revenue. That that's down the drain. Mm -hmm. The Olympics is a money pit. You know the city that wins the bid. Mm -hmm. They promise all these things. You know construction this and build mm -hmm. that. Many of those venues that are built are hardly used again. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a money pit. I could see it in a city that, like L.A., because they already have the venues in place. They don't have to build new stuff. Well, that's where it should be. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Like, pronounce how you want to. Cutter, Qatar, whatever. Of course, they got oil money, mm. but they're they're building building stuff. We know good well that stuff is never going to be used again. Never. Yeah, the same was the case with Brazil, like a yeah. few years ago. You know, make all the promises. It's, it's going to help neighborhoods. It's going to help build, you know, youth. This trash. You know, it's 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 money gone that the the citizens of, of that city will never see. They won't benefit from. Many of the poor folks will, will be kicked out, pushed out of their homes to build the new venues. It's a money pit. Yeah, but it's TV ratings, and I'm kind of curious to see the ratings. NBC will get because of the huge difference in time. Yeah. You know, with technology now, if you want to know the results, you can find out well before the rebroadcast or whatever event. Mm -hmm. So that could be an issue. Oh, and by the way, I did hear from her. Tamer Knight, she 
is at NBC headquarters in Connecticut. She arrived safely, was arriving at a hotel today, Good. Getting, getting ready to begin working on Olympic coverage. Uh, the show will be on Peacock. Yes. She said, what was it, 7 p.m. to midnight, I think? I believe so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so wishing, wishing her well, success. Uh, I just encourage her to enjoy it. Work yeah, smarter, awesome. not harder, and network. So hopefully, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, she should, should be busy, too busy to join us doing any of our live streams. But we'll get her on in future shows. I think I'm enjoying these shows, guys. And I thank you for being a part of them. I think you folks can see a little difference in the screen, the overlay of the screen. That's just one change going forward we have others in the pipeline so just keep tuning in and uh andy anything you want to say as we close it out uh i guess i could could i take this time to kind of plug something that we have upcoming uh, just in terms of the apollo media world um podstime and jamar crew day on dunlap justin barbosa and i we're gonna we're gonna do uh, a bit of a Merge episode with this other podcast is under the Apollo Network. They're called the Launch, uh, the Launch Pod Podcast or the Launch Pad Podcast. So they focus on the Houston Rockets, and we're going to do an episode next Saturday. We're going to record it next Saturday. Just do an NBA draft special, talk about you know players that are coming in, uh, what the Rockets will do. Obviously, the number two pick is the main one, but those number twenty three and twenty four picks are are big. Obviously, UH has a. a Quentin Grimes, where he'll end up. And even, you know, Armani Brooks have played for him this past season. Talk a little bit about him. So just kind of give a, a draft special. And that's something real cool that we have coming up down the pipeline. And you sent it to me. Coog, Justin Gorham signed a pro deal mm-hmm. with a team in Germany, right? Yes, correct. Um, and I, I won't butcher the name of the team. No, I can. Uh, I'll pull it up right now. But yeah, let's see. I, I think the, I found the thread here. The I telecom wonder, baskets. The telecom yeah, tas- basketballs. I wonder if that where that team is located. If that team is in a city that was damaged by flood, the flooding last week, the flash floods. But uh, I'm gonna put this out there. Justin is in the air because I reached out to him to see if he could join us today on the show to talk about the new deal uh, with, with telecom. So at some point, hopefully in the future, talking about time difference, technology, try to get him on a show uh, from Germany. So he and I have discussed that. He's open to do that. Oh. So, but he heads over, over to Germany August 4th. So keep that in mind and uh, awesome. wish him well. I'm, I'm, hey, Andy, Will, <laughs> I'm serious about making this thing work, man. I'm serious oh, well, about making folks talking sports work. We're going to make this work. We're going to put in work together and uh, make it happen. Will, anything yes. in your mind you want to uh, mention that before we close it out? Um, you mentioned USA basketball and not being a big deal. It's only a big deal if they don't, they don't win gold. It's like a foregone conclusion for decades that Team USA is going to win gold in basketball. I mean, 
as you said, 30 years ago, the dream team was to grow the game globally. globally. And now that they've done that, it's kind of a bit of a pause. And um, I mean, this team got together on Wednesday and played the game on Saturday. You can't do that anymore. Right. You know, individual talent, absolutely. One through 15. And that's the thing. This team is individually talented, but it's not the best. You don't have LeBron. You don't have Steph. AD, Steph, Clay. You don't have those guys. And the world's caught up. They've caught up. They haven't surpassed Team USA, but they've caught up. Nigeria, five NBA players and an NBA head coach, a top assistant, former NBA head coach, leading them. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it may not garner the, the attention and the, the fanfare it once did, but I think it's still a big deal. It's, it's, it's Team USA. Let them win silver or bronze. Grant Hill's going. I mean, Grant Hill's the new head of NBA, uh, USA basketball, rather, after right. Colangelo. Colangelo leaves right. after this Olympics, and Grant Hill's going to take over. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Grant proceeds. But uh, that all being said, I still think they get a, they have enough to win gold, especially when once Middleton, Holiday, and Booker join. Tired as they will be, but. Yeah, that, that's my concern is how much will be left in the tank for those three guys because I forget who it was who mentioned it on Twitter yesterday. But Drew Holiday, you, you can be much more physical defensively internationally than you can in the NBA. Right. Drew Holiday's defense will just disrupt almost every other team internationally that's playing, period, period. But how much will he have in the tank? How much can they give USA? If yeah, I'm if, not entirely sure they'd uh, they join the team. I mean, they'll be and see. That's the thing. I assume they will have to test and go through protocols. Mm. So, if the Bucks close it out Tuesday, uh, USA great. USA leaves Monday. I, I think for Tokyo, they leave tomorrow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when will Drew book? And Middleton get to Tokyo, test, because I assume they're going to have to test when they get there, and then be cleared to play. So all those factors into it, uh, COVID is still messing up everything. If this team in a typical summer had more time to practice and gel, I think they'd be better. But, you know... I mean, Spain won the world championship in 2019. How many folks here knew that? How many folks here care about that? They don't. <laughs> but Olympic-wise, if USA does not, USA men don't win the gold, you know, be newsworthy. I think the thing that I don't, that I don't like in sports, some folks will put a little asterisk by it and say, well, you know, it's COVID, blah, blah, blah. To a sense, that's true. It'll be a reason, not an excuse. But what can, they need more time. That's that's the, they need more time. And FIBA's changing rules and making it more difficult for M, the NBA to send it, the USA, excuse me, to send its best players to practice to participate. Because some of the competitions now are during the NBA season. Mm-hmm. Teams mm-hmm. aren't going to send their players to to participate in stuff like that. 
hell, international teams don't do that anymore. So yeah. are you getting to the point where we're going to have G League team, the USA G League team compete to qualify for the Olympics? I'm being nationalistic in this instance. Why does USA have to, have to qualify? Mm. We know this, this is the best team in the country, in the world. We know that. Why, why do they have to play through the Central Americas, play Canada, go through these qualifying tournaments? Come on, man. We all know who the best team, who, who, where the best players are. Let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> Close it out. Folks talking sports. Thank you for the comments and questions. Oh, one thing I, I promise I mentioned this to, uh, to Arnold. He may have tuned out by now. But Arnold Strickland hit us up on YouTube. He believes Robert Ory is a Hall of Famer. I told him I didn't think so. Is Robert Ory, should Robert Ory be in the Hall of Fame? The Basketball Hall of Fame. Hmm. No. 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 Great player. He got seven rings. Seven is rings. He, is yeah. he a great player, Will? Um, he's a good player. He's a good player. He 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 did his role and he maximized that opportunity. Hit some big shots. I mean big shot Bob. I mean that sure. without question, but it's not the hall of big shot. It's the hall of fame. He hit he averaged seven points a game. Right. See no. Can't do it. Seven do points, it. five rebounds, two assists. That's not eleven hundred NBA games. No. Uh the most points he averaged was wow, how about that? Was with the Rockets in ninety five. He averaged twelve. No, sir, I can't do that. Yeah. Uh it's interesting. I mean, you look at his college career too. He never got past uh, the Sweet Sixteen, so and that's part of it too. It is a basketball Hall yeah. of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. So yeah, even his college career wasn't that great. wasn't stellar. So he's got the rings argument though. <laughs> oh the yeah, rings. you know, and he played. Not only that, he played pivotal roles in those teams, but he had a lot of those seasons where he made big shots for those teams. That's something that he has in his favor. And uh, considering how long it's been that he hasn't been a Hall of Famer, I don't think he'll get in. He never shot 50% from the floor. His best season was 47.6% with the Lakers in 97. You lost me at seven points a game. I, I was done after that. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, that's. I know, no. you know, Rudy T said during his speech, his Hall of Fame speech, that he believes Robert should be in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, Coach. I disagree. Uh, I mean, JaVale McGee has three rings. Okay. You know. as, as long as it took Chris Webber to get in with yeah. Hall of Fame-worthy numbers. Agreed. No. no. All right. We're closing it out. Will, how can folks find you on the Internet? Appreciate you, sir. Uh, Will Gibson 7 on uh, 
social media, social media platforms, uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, the Will Knowles page on Facebook, and uh, WTGSports.com. Andy, how can folks find you? On Twitter, it's at Ayanez underscore five. Uh, podcast Pod Slamma Jamma on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and at Community Impact Newspaper. We're doing uh, getting my grind in that beat. I'm starting uh, to get a lot more. How do I say it? I got my. I, I, how do you say? It? I got my feet running now. I'm, I'm getting more traction into, you know, the beats there individually. So, looking forward to it. And I am KG Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube and Instagram, Twitter. You see it going across the screen. There is T H E H R Review. Uh, thank you for the folks tuning in, Andy. Thank you and Will for spreading the word about it on your platform, social media, Twitter, and Facebook. We had uh, I think more folks tuning in this time. Uh, we'll discuss off air when we're going to have our next show. We're getting closer and closer to the NBA draft. Let's, let's aim for one this week since Will's going to be wrong because the Bucks going to win in six. <laughs> let's see if we can uh, have one Friday, but we'll finalize that off the air and then definitely try to do something next week. Um, let's see if we can do two pre before the draft and then after the draft. Let's see if we can do that. So uh, we'll, we'll discuss all that after off the air, but thank you very much for tuning in to, uh, Houston Round Bar Review presents folks talking sports. More things in the pipeline. Uh, keep tuning in. Keep following us on the platforms. We're going to shout out. Thank you to James Mueller for joining us, talking some U of H football and basketball. And once again, the invite goes out to folks at the Rice Thresher, folks at TSU as well, uh, PV, HBU as well. Let's do this. We can make this happen. I'm, hey, I'm not hearing anybody. Y'all know more than I know a lot of things. Let's share the knowledge. Let's have some fun doing it as we, as we progress in all of these ventures. We're tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to Folks Talking Sports tonight. Everybody take care. Guys, hold on. We're going to close it out. See you soon. Bye-bye.